You're listening to Keystone Cold Cases, a podcast where we reignite cold cases across Pennsylvania. Hey, it's Amanda. Hey, it's Sarah. And hey, it's Grace. And today we are going to talk about the case of Corey James Edkin. I guess just trigger warning, just because he's a small child where he's missing, spoiler alert, not sure if he was murdered or abducted, but I mean, still, it is a story about a child and it's kind of hard. So just so you know, going into it, um, Corey James Edkin was born on June 11th, 1984, and has been missing since October 12th, 1986, when he was just two years old. He was last seen at the home he shared with his mother, Debbie. Um, I saw three different last names for her, and I know that at one point she was like divorced and married, so maybe like one is maiden and two are married names, but yeah. either Durr wise or maori so i believe her her current last name is maori but anyway so he lived with his mother debbie a roommate alberta sones her two children and debbie's other child who was Corey's sister and i couldn't find her name but i mean she's a child so they probably didn't want to splash her name everywhere right they lived on second street in new columbia pennsylvania On the night that Corey went missing, after all the children were asleep, Debbie went to a nearby convenience store to pick up a pizza around 12.10 a.m. Alberta was still awake and was watching television. When Debbie returned about half an hour later, she found the door, the front door open and Corey was gone. Alberta said that she was awake the entire time, but did not see Corey leave or anyone enter the house. She also didn't hear any noises. And of course, it's not the end all be all when it comes to whether a statement is true or not. But she did pass a polygraph um, for this statement. So is is the door not close to where like the television would be that she wouldn't see if the door opened at some point? I mean, I get that she's saying she didn't like see him walk out of the house or anything, but would she have been in view of the door to see how the door wound up open? I don't know exactly how the house was laid out. I know that it was two stories, but the way that it's talked about, it seems like it would be impossible. Like it kind of seems like here's the front door and you either walk into like a foyer and then the living room or you walk straight into the living room. It just seems like it'd be very, very difficult. Like she would see someone coming in or leaving. So, I mean, 12 o'clock in the morning, what are the chances that she, like, kind of nodded and was like, yeah, I'm still awake, but she wasn't really awake? I mean, as soon as you put certain TV shows in front of me, I'm out cold. Same. So, the thing is, Debbie was only gone for half an hour, and, you know, Alberta was still awake when she got back, so... I don't know if she dozed off. I could totally doze off for. She swears she was awake. Yeah. I mean, I could see myself doing it. But I mean, definitely possible because that's kind of really the only explanation. I mean, when I really get into it of what it just doesn't make any sense. So, oh yeah. Okay. So Debbie came back half an hour after she had left. Um, They ended up calling the police at 1.10 a.m. Um after they had checked the house and everything, the backyard, and just realized that he was not anywhere to be found. So 
The police went on to thoroughly search by water, land, and air, even searching the Susquehanna River from New Columbia to West Milton. And the home was within 200 yards of the river. And I mean, this search was like super thorough. Like I didn't list all of the details, but they really, they checked everything. I mean, it's a two-year-old. The police are really gonna do their due diligence, but Corey was never seen again. They didn't find any footprints, um, like leading to the river or anything like that. No footprints at all. And bloodhounds never picked up his scent. So it's not like he wandered off by himself. And I mean, he was two years old. He was apparently asleep upstairs in his mother's bedroom. I'm sure you would have noticed a two-year-old walking out the door, even if you were dozing off. Um, it's so strange. Um, which of her, like, who's the, where's the dad? Like, could it be a, a custody thing where, like, maybe he came in and took the kid? So his parents were divorced at that time. I believe recently divorced. And um, he had very little contact with his father. But he, his father was cleared as a suspect. I don't know all of the details, but I don't think he was really around and his alibi or whatever checked out. Like an ugly divorce, immediately think like the kids are part of it. Sure. Yeah. Yep. And they did um, check out the father, but they say that he was cleared. And also Debbie's new husband at the time was in prison, so it wasn't him. What an alibi. Yeah. But do we know what... Four? Uh, I actually don't. Because, like, what if it was drugs or, like, he was into something that maybe they took Corey as a, like... Reta- yeah, like retaliation or something. Oh, yeah. That's the a hostage. very good point. I really didn't think about that at all because it was such a small blip. But um, no, I'm not sure what he was in prison for. So his picture was put on milk cartons and util- utility bills. And I remember we saw that with um, the boy in the box, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is super smart because who doesn't get utility bills? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they... I'm really more surprised that it's not still a thing. Yeah, honestly. It is. Our our town does it. Like when the firehouse... Really? Yeah, when the firehouse needs to advertise stuff, if you look at the electric bills here, it's on the... The backside has a whole bunch of stuff. Oh, yeah, but not like missing persons. No. Nah. Hmm. But yeah, maybe they should start that up again. Um, They received hundreds of tips from all over the country, but all led nowhere. A psychic was even consulted by the family at one point, but that didn't lead anywhere either. Um, So like I said, Corey's parents were divorced, had little contact with his father, but he was cleared. Um, And then Debbie was cleared as a suspect also when her trip to the convenience store checked out. Um, So, I mean, she had an alibi and they were able to check through security footage and receipts and stuff like that, talking to the convenience store staff. So she was definitely where she said she was at that time. So super creepy. Someone started making phone calls to various people about Corey's disappearance shortly after. Someone called two different offices of the Daily Item, which is a Pennsylvania newspaper, in March of 1987. 
The first call was to the Milton office. The caller said, Corey is alive. Tell Jim he will get Corey back. And they believe the caller was referring to Corey's father, James. And then the week after that, the caller phoned the Danville office. The call was made in a raspy, slow voice that said, Corey Edkin will die in seven days, which gave me fucking full body chills because hello, the ring. (laughs) Exactly what I was going to say. And so far ahead of when this movie came out. (laughs) Fucking chills. I mean, they had VHS then, so... I hate that. I hate it. That makes me... (laughs) It makes me feel definitely like it had something to do with his dad. So, then... There were more calls after that. Um, The second call of that day was to the Milton office again, and the caller said Debbie is going to lose two people close to her, and they believe the caller was referring to Corey's mother. And I'm not sure who else they were talking about because her other kid never went missing. I don't know what that really meant. I feel like that's that's also a, a vague statement. Like not sure. You'll lose two people close to you within a week. Like you'll lose two people close to you. I mean, morbid truth, but we all will. Everyone will lose at least two people they're close to. It's like, like a it's bad a, a safe reading. <laughs> right. It's like a a fortune cookie or a misfortune like, cookie. Do we know it was Debbie? How do we know it was like that Debbie? I don't think we you know do. What I mean? Like Debbie was so common of a name, I'm sure, in that time frame. That's true, but I think that it's thought that all of these calls were made by the same person. So they assumed if it was okay. referring to Corey, then it Debbie must be they must be referring to his mom. Cause I guess it was like a disguised voice and they believe it was a woman. Um, it's not like they just picked a random, I'm just in my head. I'm thinking, did they mention Corey or did they just say, Hey, Debbie's going to lose two people today because there's ice cream places that say, Hey, like Amanda gets free ice cream today or Sarah, like they just pick a random name. So like, did they just call for shits and giggles or did they like actually mention? It doesn't say, and I assume that these calls are probably pretty short. So that may have been all that they said. So yeah, that's definitely a thought. So in June of that year, Debbie and another relative reported getting ransom calls by someone threatening to sell Corey for $25,000. That's like, okay. I mean, I get the annoying car warranty calls, but I can't imagine a call that's just like, hey, so we have your son and we're going to sell him or like trying to can i get more than 25 grand like isn't that just blackmail yeah i don't i mean i guess they didn't get fully it's just blackmail with extra steps they didn't get fully into what the phone call said but it's kind of like what what did you want out of this phone call like you're gonna you said you'd sell him for Twenty five thousand, unless we do what? Or do you want us to give you twenty five thousand and one? Right. Which again is blackmail with extra steps. I think that's what they mean. Like if I we throw a number out. Yeah. It's kind of like the um Wendy Eaton case when people were just use, saying stuff and remember they had that sting set yeah. up because they knew it was fake and they were just trying to get money. So I wonder if that was the case. Or it could just be like fucked up people playing a prank because people suck and they do that. 
Um, so it's interesting that these calls sure. stopped when police put tracing equipment on her phone. So I believe they got multiple calls is what I was led to believe. And then they put the tracing equipment on the phone and the calls stopped, which makes me think that it was like someone that was familiar with them and knew that the calls were being traced right. yeah. and there was equipment on the phone. Because the equipment's not visual at all. Right? Like, it's not visible. It's not like there's a sign in the yard that says, we're tracking your shit. Well, no, but, like, there's not, like, an extra antenna or something. Like, it just is something that is internal on the phone, isn't it? But this was in the 80s. Well. So I'm thinking maybe it was, like, more visible, like something they had to attach. That's I mean, true. I, have, I probably sound like an idiot. I have no knowledge of this. I mean, I'm I the baby, so 80s. I know nothing. Thanks, Jerk. I just imagine the 80s, like, yeah, what was it like back then, Amanda? <laughs> I was born in 86, okay, Jerk. <laughs> I don't really remember the 80s. I spent a month in the Actually, 80s. Actually, October so of cool. 86, which is when this case took place. <laughs> Weird. Right? You're Corey reincarnate. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, although, maybe, because he was, what, the, went missing on the 12th, and I was the 22nd. Possible. Mm. I think I'm lacking some carrots, though. I'm too tired anyway. for this shit. <laughs> I, it just, did they stop at the, like, the news stations, too? Like, the newspapers? Because that's, like, really weird. Did they track the news paper calls too i'm not sure but i think that those three calls were the only ones that ever happened and they were only over two days so i don't know if they tried to trace those or not so Corey's grandmother myrtle received a <laughs> ransom call in january of 91 um, my grandma's myrtle <laughs> really what a cute grandma name <laughs> this case is really twisted okay Maybe we should consult a psychic with you or have you hypnotized? Um, well, do I look like this kid? Special episode. I don't know. He was two. <laughs> There's an age progression. How old was he in the age progression? Uh, 34, I think. I'll be 35 tomorrow. Oh, that's, that, that is, is creepy, really creepy, actually. I'm pretty creeped out. Okay. All right. Let's continue with this case. You wanted a spooky anyway. episode. Oh. Yeah. Holy shit. So Myrtle received a ransom call in 91, but this may just have been a cruel hoax because people are the fucking worst, but I couldn't find what they actually said, but they said it was a ransom call. So I'm assuming it was either like the other one that I'm going to sell your kid or they were asking for money. I'm not sure, but I guess they determined it probably wasn't real. Debbie also reported that just days before Corey went missing, she received a ton of hang-up phone calls, and, like, none of these callers were ever identified, whether they were hang-up calls or the weird raspy voice saying that he will die in seven days. <laughs> it's creepy as shit. That really bothers me. <laughs> in 1988, police said that they had a theory that Corey was abducted by someone he knew, but not a family member. They said the house where Corey lived was frequented by 10 to 20 young people. It was apparently a party house, and it sounds like a solid home for a kid. Unfortunately, most of these young people weren't super into cooperating with police. Imagine that. Shock. I mean, that kind of goes with what we were talking about. Yeah. And I just imagine like a party house with like a bunch of stoners. And puff, puff, puff. Just people 
yeah. <laughs> drifting in and out. But I mean, yeah, if there were that many people in and out of the house all the time. That makes me think about her falling asleep on the couch. Like maybe she didn't want to tell the police that she was stoned. Maybe. Oh, that's true. It was the 80s. So that definitely was more of like, shit, don't tell the cop that you're high. <laughs> now you just whip out your card. Yeah, she didn't have her medical card. Um, At this point, police were confident that he was still alive. Interestingly, in this article from the Danville News, it's quickly mentioned at the end that Corey's grandmother, Myrtle, (laughs) had recently been found innocent by a Montour County jury of trying to kill her husband with arsenic. So that's fun. It seems like this kid had a really great environment to grow up in. Yeah, ideal. Amanda, are we are we going with this is no longer your grandmother? Oh no, I could totally see her trying to kill her first husband. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well then it's Yeah, because still... she she had okay. my, my aunt and then my mom, and then he was in the Navy. So he went to California and had a whole family over there. And so my mom and her brother are only a month apart. And then after she had he had my mom, he never came back from California. So yeah, I could totally see Myrtle trying to kill him. Damn Myrtle. Jesus. So the FBI and a federal grand jury have investigated the disappearance, but have not reached any conclusions. It's so strange that in a house with three other children and one adult, no one heard anything. I mean, the other kids were asleep, but still, I mean, Alberta's downstairs. I mean, if it was this party house, 10 to 20 people in it at all times, you would probably get really used to that much noise so like what's loud enough to wake you up would be a lot louder than it would be for the normal person yeah it's true do you know what i mean like you'd be accustomed to noise so if you heard a random noise it wouldn't really throw you off at all it's just interesting that alberta swears she did not hear anything no i I second what you said sarah because like you know the fire pager when you first start, like when I first started EMS or my husband and all that, like there's nights that you literally just don't hear it, but that would mm-hmm. wake up anyone else who isn't around that on a daily basis. That's fair. Or like where we live with the airplanes. Mm-hmm. I forget all the time that there are airplanes flying and the dog will react. Like, what are you looking at? Oh yeah. We live two miles from an airport. Okay. Got it. But also, Debbie was only gone for about half an hour. So people have speculated that the family must be involved somehow, but police were adamant that the family members had been eliminated as suspects. Um, People also wonder if Corey may have been gone even before Debbie went to get pizza, but apparently he was asleep in her bed. So I don't know how feasible that is if she had nothing to do with his disappearance. I mean, nothing says specifically that she checked on him before she left. That was going to be my question, because I know, like, my best friend has three kids. And, you know, especially when her kids were baby babies, you know, you would leave one laying upstairs. And, you know, if you turned around to do something, I mean, you weren't necessarily always in that room, especially if they were napping. I mean, her kids will go up and nap. And she and I will stay downstairs on a totally different floor when they're napping because they're napping. So, I mean, it could have been hours before, depending on the last time she saw him. Does she have a monitor? Late 80s? Probably not. 
I was going to say, I put my kid in my bed with, like, like, if I went to my parents' house, I would put him in my old bed and, like, stack the pillows around so he didn't roll out, and I'd let him sleep, and he would be upstairs, and I would be downstairs, and, but that was the second floor, and he would have to go past the stairs to get to me. Yeah, that's true. But, too, like, this kid probably went to bed before 12 o'clock, so if he went to bed, he's two, so what eight nine o'clock yeah is pretty late for a two-year-old so you would think that he had to have been asleep for a while so would she have checked on him and risked waking him don't wake a sleeping kid that's true and especially if she was only going to be gone for half an hour there was another right. adult in the house so it's just kind of like i'm gonna run out real quick my kid is asleep at a normal right. time and it's almost like something had yeah. to happen bef- way before this, or yeah. the friend fell asleep and it happened then. So Corey's father, James, told a reporter in 2015 that he believed his son was still alive, but that not knowing anything was the hardest part, which I can't even imagine. So Debbie also spoke to the reporter. Um, it was the 29th anniversary of Corey's disappearance, or it was approaching. Um, But she said, I always hope he is safe. It's hard on the family. I'd love to find him, but I don't want to destroy his life. She's quoted as saying this. And what I think of is that if he was abducted, but eventually found like a good other like family ended up adopting him or something like she doesn't want to disrupt his life and freak him out. But So my brain is going to, like, it's a Moses situation, and I realize my brain thinks in, like, Old Testament stories, and not everybody's does, but um, basically Moses was born to a woman that he would have had to be killed because they already had a son, and you can only keep one son. So instead of killing her son, she put him in the river, and he ended up being adopted by the princess, but she was, like letting him go somewhere else to have a better life and just that I don't want to destroy his life very much makes me think of he would have been worse with me wherever he is is better and if I come in and tell the truth if I you know say that I took him somewhere adopted him out whatever I'm gonna be the bad guy and destroy everything he knows sure that was a lot but no, I taught and I totally get what you're saying. Just like, why not give him up for adoption? And why only him and not her daughter? Maybe he had some kind of special needs that he that she noticed or maybe like he was delayed in some point and she or maybe it was just too hard to take care of two two kids or she felt more of a connection with a daughter versus a son. Sure. And maybe her leaving was the time where, hey, I left the door open, pretend you're watching TV, and so-and-so is going to come take him and give him a better life. Because it almost sounds like the way people were saying the family was involved makes me think that they had to report it so that it didn't look suspicious, but they also took the the care to, like, place him somewhere. Mm. Yeah. Safely. Yeah. It it definitely feels like it's a family-initiated or family-involved relocation. It definitely seems like family must be involved. Just from that statement. Like, not a, yeah. not a Brian Laundrie-style thing, but 
Oh, good lord. His parents, but yeah. Yeah, so interesting that we're saying that because I found some news articles from June of last year that say police express confidence toddler's 1986 disappearance will be solved. Current lead investigator trooper Brian Watkins said that significant advances have been made and that's apparently referring to forensic technology and the cooperation of some unnamed individuals and police now say that it was a family member. See, we're not crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they haven't released any official suspects. um, And it's super frustrating because I have not seen a single update since then. And that was June of last year. I feel Um, like at this point, without an admission, you're never going to have enough to have a suspect with that young of a child, that little of evidence and that long ago. I think there will always be people of interest but I don't think they'll ever be able to name a suspect unless someone is confessing. But what if that person that came forward was the one on the couch that said, Hey, like she left the door open and -and so-and-so took, took him. Well, that's true. Or I saw him, her actually leave and put him in the sewer. Like there has to be, that's a really horrible thing to say, but that's true. Yeah. It seems like it would have to be someone super close to it i mean there was only alberta that she was the only adult in that house last or that night so but they do say un unnamed unless she was involved yeah i'm not sure i mean it's frustrating i'm sure like if they're trying to build a case and they're obviously not going to put a whole bunch of info out there but for my purposes i'm just frustrated because i would love to know who these people are that they're talking about. Right. But that's a really good lead this many years later. Yeah. I just don't understand why they wouldn't think family member right away. I think they did, but I guess whatever they did to test that cleared them. So they definitely had the thought. They did rely a little bit on like polygraph tests. And like, even then I don't think they were admissible in court, but still I think people had a little more confidence in them right back then and i think too just interrogation like your gut feeling of do you think this person's lying or or not and some people can put on a show sure so at the time of his disappearance Corey was about three feet tall and weighed approximately 30 pounds he was a white male with blue eyes and very light blonde hair He was wearing gray pajama pants, a short sleeve white top with a cartoon beaver on it, and no shoes or socks. So this description, like, kills me, along with the photo um, that we'll put on our website. But he's just an adorable little baby, and somebody stole him or gave him away, depending on what you think. But, like, he didn't even have anything on his feet, and apparently it was cold that night. And I didn't pull in Amanda and look it up. I found it in, in an article that it was, in fact, cold that night. But, like, he didn't even have socks on. So there's also an age-progressed photo of what he would look like at age 30, um, 34. He'd be 37 now. So we'll put both up on our website. If you have any information about the whereabouts of Corey James Edkin, there is actually a $10,000 reward being offered. You can contact the Pennsylvania State Police at Milton at 
1-800-273-2662 or submit an anonymous tip to the PA Crime Stoppers at 1-800-4PA-TIPS. That's all we have for this episode of the Keystone Cold Cases podcast. Please remember never to reach out to family or friends of the victims, only to law enforcement if you have any tips. This episode was researched and hosted by me, Grace. Find all of our sources, social media connections, and contact information at kccpod.com. Theme music by Darren Makins, production assistance from Darren Makins. Join us again next week for another case to sleuth out.